Overdrive. Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that contemplates issues related to cars and transport. I'm David Brown, and in this program we have news stories including the coronavirus impact on car sales. We talk to the CEO of the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries about what the future of car sales might be. Rob Fraser and I discuss taking two utes to the country, and we have some quirky news with Alan Zervis on deodorising tyres. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au or previous programs are available as podcasts on iTunes or Spotify. Or you can go to our Facebook page, Overdrive City. So let's get the program going. First, the news. Car sales have been declining for several years, but now they are in free fall. In March 2020, sales fell by nearly 18% compared to 2019. Toyota and Subaru did manage to hold their numbers while Kia sales continued to increase. And for the first time in Australia, Kia outsold their corporate cousin, Hyundai. Price could be coming an even bigger issue with discount brands such as MG, Haval and Great Wall all showing a large percentage increase. For the month, MG outsold Audi, Lexus, Land Rover and Volvo. Anecdotal information suggests that the sales in March were worse as the month progressed and April, which is usually a slow month for sales, has started disastrously. While the numbers of car trips have decreased significantly, we need to make sure our vehicles are maintained in a safe condition in case we have to travel for essential reasons. Many car dealerships are remaining open, especially for service work. This is most important if you need to have Takata airbags replaced. A faulty Takata airbag has the potential to seriously injure or even kill vehicle drivers and passengers. The Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries says that you can find out if your car needs replacement airbags by going to the website www.ismyairbagsafe.com.au and all you have to do is enter in your number plate and the state or territory it is registered in. If your local dealer is not open for this or any other service requirement, you should contact the manufacturer who will help you find a location. London has had some road user charges for many years now, but they are now putting them on hold. In February 2003, London introduced a cordon charge for vehicles entering the inner city area to discourage non-essential car trips. The system has expanded since then, but Transport for London has now suspended all road user charges in the capital until further notice to ensure London's critical workers, particularly those in the NHS, are able to travel around London as easily as possible during this national emergency. It also supports the supply chain, the effort to keep supermarkets fully stocked and the city's continued operation. The Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, said, This is not an invitation to take your cars. To save lives, we need the roads clear for ambulances, doctors, nurses and other critical workers. Car sales are down, so this might be a time to get a bargain. 
In certain vehicle segments, some buyers appear to be using the competitive market to get a better model or a larger car. The Mercedes GLC, a medium-sized SUV, had rising sales until March, where they suddenly dropped by 42% compared to last year. But sales of the larger GLE have increased by a similar amount. Audi sales for their smallest SUV, the Q2, have plummeted. But the sales of their next size up SUV, the Q3, and the much larger Q7 have increased enormously. And while the ute market is down in total, it is more prevalent in two-wheel drives, while the four-wheel drives have declined by nearly 12%, but that is better than the market average. In order to entice customers, car companies are providing additional services and features at a time when peace of mind is important. Ford Australia is offering customers a complimentary pick-up and drop-off service, when their car needs servicing or warranty repaired during the COVID-19 emergency. There are some limitations. The service will be initially available at participating dealers until the 30th of June 2020. The service incorporates three main elements. Pick up and drop off of a customer's vehicle when they book a service or warranty repair. Disinfection of some 16 key touch points of the customer's vehicle and a wide availability of cashless payment options. Renault is offering drive-away pricing and a seven-year warranty package, but only on their Colios SUV. They have to do something. Colios sales were down 74% in March compared to last year. And that has been the news. Car sales in Australia have declined in recent years, but has the coronavirus made it into a steep descent? Tony Webber, Chief Executive of the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries, which is the peak organisation for companies who distribute new passenger vehicles, like commercial vehicles, motorcycles and all-terrain vehicles, joins us on the line. Tony, thanks very much for your time. My pleasure. The automotive business employs a lot of people. How big is big? Around about 70,000 people employed by the automotive business in Australia directly, and that's through dealerships and the head offices of the uh, the, the brands that sell in this country. Of course, indirect people, what, be near 100,000? Oh, there'd be a lot more than that, I think. Really? Hmm. And the whole scheme of it's, it's substantially bigger than that. There'd be hundreds of thousands of people employed indirectly in the, in the car industry. Let's get down to a, de- a specific detail first for people out there. If I've got a car that needs to get the Takata airbag replaced, can I still get that done? You can, and I would encourage you to do so because if anything goes wrong, that Takata airbag can be lethal, uh, as unfortunately people around the world have found out. And if you've got an airbag you should contact your local dealer to have it replaced as quickly as possible. And if you don't know whether your airbag needs to be replaced or not, you should go to the website, www.ismyairbagsafe.com.au, and all you need to know is your number plate, and that will guide you through the process. Will most dealerships then be open to be able to do that sort of work? Most dealerships are, and if the local dealership open... I encourage you to ring the brand of your vehicle because they will be able to help you. 
and there will be certain conditions in the dealership that you'll have to be careful. And servicing used to be about distance or time. I guess time is becoming the dominant one, but you don't want to hop into a car that you've allowed the brakes to wear out or things like that. Is is it still important? Are you encouraging people to keep up their services on their vehicles? Uh, exactly. This is a public health issue, the coronavirus. Uh, if you let your cars run down, or as a society we let our cars run down and not maintain their services, that will become another public health issue. So we need to maintain the the fleet as highly as possible. So that's why service is absolutely essential to that. The March numbers are out. What's the results? March was tough. We were down almost 18%, and that was expected. And I think that we expect that there may be some more tough months in front of us as well. Do you think the steepness of the decline got worse as the month went on? I think that anecdotally that is correct. I haven't got the statistics on that, but that certainly is the information that we're getting back from the dealerships. April is traditionally a slower month, and again, anecdotally, only based on just a few days, it's still looking pretty tough. I think it's very tough at the moment, and we expect this may be the case for some time. April is a quieter month, and it's going to be difficult, but it's difficult across a whole raft of sectors of the economy. We're, we're not unique here. Do you think people may well be able to find some particularly good deals at the moment? I think um, 2020 will be the year of good deals. Sales have been down. We've now recorded 24 consecutive months of declining sales, which is very disappointing. But it is a great time for a consumer, and there's no doubt there are wise consumers out there that have already taken advantage of this is an opportunity for other people to follow those people and also get a very good buy. And it doesn't really matter what part of the market segment you're talking about, whether you're talking about lower end of product or the really expensive luxury vehicles. Right across the board, there are good purchasing opportunities. Do you think there will be long-term impacts? We've seen the idea of buying online or displaying in shopping centres and that. Do you think people may try other things and that they will help stick in the market or perhaps accelerate what was a trend that we saw starting to develop before the virus? I think behaviour right across the country will change in a whole raft of areas. And I think for this period, We're all experimenting with the way in which we live and those experiments will bring up some hidden gems and I suspect that will translate into the way we live into the future and I think car dealers will be in that category. I'm finding in transport planning that in a way we've just counted traffic on the road to some degree. We we haven't always measured why people are making those decisions. I think the car industry is a good example of trying to understand the motivation of the customer. Do you think that will become even more relevant as the outward situation changes? I think that's probably right. We've got to understand what our customers want so that we can meet their demands. And what they want is probably evolving quickly. And as an industry, the car industry needs to think about that and respond accordingly. And that overlays with other issues. We have low emission vehicles coming to our marketplace. We also have 
automated vehicles that are connected to the internet also will be coming to our marketplace. So there's no doubt that the industry was going to change before COVID-19. COVID-19 will just add another dimension in terms of that change. Tony Webber, thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. That's Tony Webber, the Chief Executive Officer of the Federal Chamber of Automotive Industries. Overdrive, answering your questions across Australia. passenger car and wagon segment has unfortunately been in decline over the last few years. However, there are some great cars left that are well worth a test drive. Rob Fraser has just driven one of the best. Peugeot 508 GT Sports Wagon boasts excellent technology and drivetrains plus stunning design. While driving it, it was amazing how many people stopped to look at it while parked or while we were driving. It's simply beautiful. Typically French, the 508 GT has some clever design features as well as some seemingly that defy explanation. That is part of the charm of the vehicle. The charm also extends to the elegant and stylish interior. The relationship between the steering wheel and the instruments needs to be experienced. And the best feature without doubt is the front seat massage function. It was on constantly when driving, and when you jump into another car, you really miss it. Priced from just under $56,000 plus the usual costs, the Peugeot 508 GT Sports Wagon is amongst the best in class. Buying a car is a big decision. For many people, the next new car they select will be part of their life for a decade, sometimes even more. So doing your research first is essential. Check out the hundreds of car reviews available free of charge at Car Review Central before you head out car shopping. Unbiased and completely independent, Car Review Central will let you know the good bits and maybe the not-so-good bits of each new car on the Australian market. You can even easily look through other car and SUV models within the same category to see if maybe there's a better option. Just type in carreviewcentral.com.au. Overdrive. For more information and past programs, go to drivenmedia.com.au. Well, we said uh, last time that we were out in the country taking some utes to the farm, perhaps for a little bit of isolation at this time, which can be important, but it can also be remarkably relaxing. To talk about that is Rob Fraser. G'day, Rob. David. Now, we did go out in the farm. We brought the rain with us. We did. Uh, I think in the two months before we went, they'd had less than 20 mils in two months, and they ended up with 35 mils in one day when we were there. Perfect timing. (laughs) Now, we're talking about being west of Sydney, over the mountains, past Bathurst, then Orange, and then down to Cargo, almost to Canoundra. The tyres on these utilities, we took two utes, are they important? Are they a a critical part of the package? Depends on what you're wanting to do. And we saw in the two utes a slightly different philosophy between them. One was more road-oriented and one was definitely more off-road-oriented and the tyres reflected that. 
And a lot of that we found out with the mud is that with a more open tread for off-road work, it takes slightly less time for them to clog up. But, however, in all the rain we had in the mud, they all both clogged up anyway. We're talking about the Toyota Hilux Rugged X, which had the more all-terrain, more general tyres, and the Nissan N Trek Warrior, which had the more chunky tyres to them. So it didn't make you invincible, did it, that in the muddy situation particularly where there's a lot of dust around that suddenly gets rain that it hasn't had for some time, it did make a bit of a quagmire to make difficulty the getting grip. Look, true, but, I mean, everything's marginal and everything's a slight improvement. Those tyres were much better than if we'd had normal road-based tyres. Oh, yeah. I drove, when they launched it, the uh, Sanyong Muso, and it was fantastic on the open road. It was ute. And off-road, though, boy, it was slippery. It was just so incredibly slippery because they were more road-based tyres. Something to look out for. Did you find that the ute was functional in the farm environment? Oh, look, both of them are very good off-road. They're slightly different characteristics. But as you discovered, we could drive around the farm, which is has some interesting places and some challenges with ease, really. It wasn't the typical farm vehicle. When we stopped at Lithgow on the way up at the fast food location, which was remarkably deserted, there were still old utes with pea plates were a predominance. Well, yeah, and as you discovered on the the farm itself, we, we have a 1976 Land Rover that has probably the original tyres on it and still potters around the farm. And it has a Holden engine. It has. Unfortunately, the Land Rover engine decided to uh, pass away a few years ago, so we put the straight six, the red engine, into it uh, without too much fuss, and it still keeps pottering away. Hey, there's a barn find there as well. There is. That's the very first car I learned to drive on, a left-hand drive, genuine World War II Jeep. It's obviously under a pile of dirty old leftover things that have been plonked around it and that, but it's in reasonable condition. It's been done up once um, and then left again to deteriorate, but it wouldn't take much to actually get it going again. And as I said, that was the vehicle that I learned to drive on, and for many years that was the only four-wheel drive they had on the farm. Does traditional two-wheel drive, you is that any good on the farm? No, look, it's, I mean, for getting up and down the driveway even, it's a problem. It, uh, it's a really hilly farm, typical of the central western slopes. Two-wheel drive is just not going to cut it. Even with the four-wheel drive in the mud, in the muddy sort of conditions, it wasn't hard to break traction. No, because there's a little bit of a clay in some places underlying the dirt, so a little bit of water, and even with good off-road tyres, you could just start to slip. Canoundra, and uh, I think that was home territory to you. Next time we might talk a little bit about your growing up in that country region. Rob, thanks very much for your time. Thank you, David. Overdrive. If you have a question, suggestion or comment, send an email to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. Subaru has a secret, and it's one that Rob Fraser says they should be shouting from the rooftops. Australia is becoming an SUV country. 
Over 50% of sales are now SUVs or utes. However, there are still some of the public, myself included, that occasionally want the practicality of a normal wagon, the benefits of all-wheel drive, and yet still want some sporty pretense, along with style, luxury and safety thrown in. The secret I'm talking about is the Subaru Levorg 2-litre STI Sport. Not one you first think about when you think about Subarus. I recently took the Sport variant to the snow for a week and it was excellent. Features that make it ideal for a ski trip are the symmetrical all-wheel drive system, heated front sports seats, the powerful 2.0-litre turbo boxer engine, plenty of room for four people in the luggage, and a front window de-icer. Subaru's Levorg is a classic lifestyle wagon for buyers that don't want the boxy shape of an SUV, but want a little bit more practicality than a sedan, and a little more performance to engage the driver. Overdrive, answering your questions across Australia. The Sumitomo Rubber Industries Company has uh, proposed a number of things for tyres on your car, including perhaps having different colours or even being able to leave different colours uh, on the road. But now they've come out with a reduction in the odour of rubber tyres. To talk about this, I have on the line Alan Zervis from Gay Carboys. Is the uh, smell of rubber a particular problem to you, Alan, in terms of motoring? I'm glad you clarified that, David. Uh, look, not for me particularly. I don't hang around car parks where hoons do burnouts, so it's uh, never. I've never particularly noticed. Well, that's that's the issue, isn't it? That the actual burnout wants the smell of rubber, don't they? They seem to, but I can't help but think that it is a certain element in society that perhaps uh, would be better off without the rubber smell. Well, maybe this is a way of discouraging them. Perhaps if we could make a tire that doesn't smoke. Or we could just put burn gates on those car parks and then we'd eliminate the problem altogether. <laughs> We've got to be a way to get around it. Of course, Honda did it the other way. They brought out a scent that smelt like burnt rubber. It was a, a, a somewhat parody for a marketing campaign, but you know that was an indication that to a man, I think, you know those scratch and sniff uh, things that they have in magazines? Yeah. I think Honda had one that said, here's a new perfume, and you scratch it and it smelt like burnt rubber. So perhaps you know, there's a way to do it. But could we not only reduce the smell of rubber but add a perfume to it? Would that be a possibility? I think roses. Roses would be nice. We could have rose-coloured uh, uh, smelling tyres and we could make them pink. And make them pink or different colours, carnation colour. Or the, if it was a particular scent that you could do it, then you don't dab it behind your ears, you dab it under your mudguards. <laughs> well, I suppose it's the automotive equivalent of under your left ear, but uh, personally I think people have far too much time on their hands. Yes. I, I, I wasn't particularly aware of this as a problem, perhaps a first-world problem to some people, but the other issue, the more serious issue, is that there's some research came out of the UK that said that actually 
particle dust, rubber particle dust, is quite a pollutant, perhaps more so in some ways than the stuff that comes out of your tailpipe. Oh, look, I think that's that there's probably a school of thought that says that, though I would think there's more of what goes into the air because uh, a thousand kilometre trip, you could emit 150 kilos of CO2. I don't think you're going to emit 150 kilos of, uh, of rubber stuff. No, and, and very much an urban problem. Of course, it was always a problem with brakes and brake pads. Well, once upon a time, of course, they had asbestos pads, so that was, it was really a problem then. Hmm. So you think that the tyre has never really been an elegant part, although chunky tyres on four-wheel drive sets an image? Well, I think you need something to keep your bottom off the ground. At the end of the day, you need something that'll stop you at light. I think the design of a tyre, it's for a specific purpose. You, know, you can go off-road or you can go around a track or you can do lots of different things. And I think that's about as much thought as they put into rubber compound as is possible. I certainly don't think making it smell not like burnt rubber would be a thing. Well, they have tried, of course, white wall tyres, the tyre equivalent of spats, I think. I thought they looked quite smart. I could imagine those on one of your cars, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm parked on parked on your driveway with your smart cane with the silver top. Yes, I think that it looked very uh, <laughs> elegant. And the other thing is whether it leaves a tread pattern. Whether I, I heard from a one tire company one time that really the tread pattern is much more about marketing than it is about actual grip. And the real issue is the amount of rubber the amount of grooves to get rid of water, but whether they're in a fancy tread pattern wasn't as critical as some people might think. Perhaps we should have a tread pattern that leaves, you know, nice messages. Have a nice day. No, that sounds too American. You could do that. Well, of course, we only need the actual grooves in a tyre, as you say, to get the water away. Ideally, everybody would drive on a dry road with completely slick tyres, and that's the best possible grip you could have. As proved in motor racing. As proved in motor racing, exactly. And when it starts to rain, what's the first thing they, they do? They go into the pits and they change their tyres for some uh, wet weather tyres. But I think that would be a perfect opportunity to paint some lovely patterns on the road. Well, one can only hope. Perhaps we should uh, market the idea. Alan, lovely to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks, David. And that's Alan Service from Gay Carboys, where we talk about the big issues, the big first world issues, here on Overdrive. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Tony Webber, Rob Fraser, Alan Zervis, Jordan Trembath and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive is syndicated across Australia on the Community Radio Network. For more information, go to drivenmedia.com.au or previous programs are available as a podcast on iTunes or Spotify or you can go to our Facebook page, Overdrive City. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening.